how dedicated you are to a cause that you're willing to put super glue on your bare feet and plant them on concrete. I mean, how I, do you even get out of that situation? Spatula? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up on 612 this Friday morning, you know, there are certainly, I will admit, sexier things we could chat about on a Friday morning than a parking garage. No. Come on, Michelle, you're totally into it. <laughs> I'm excited how you're going to make this sexy. Okay. Wrong. Not here. We're not leaving the car here. Why not? Because we're not. This is not so much about the fact that it's a parking garage, and we had the story up in the news there, Mark Castro in the Milwaukee Business Journal talking about the future of this property. It's it's an important piece of property in Milwaukee's downtown. It is currently underutilized, and the city is looking for proposals to change that. I want the car back home where it belongs right now. Come on, let's go. City now officially seeking RFPs for that space across from the Marcus Performing Arts Center. It's that, that white, only several levels, right, parking ramp, that mm-hmm. connects to the Marcus Center via the Skywalk, and it's where a lot of people park when you're going to a show. RFP, acronym for Request for Proposal. What that means is they're looking for ideas, right? And it could be anything. Although it is connected to and primarily serves the Marcus Center, the city owns the land. Marcus Center owns the structure, so there's some level of understanding here. City leaders want something more, but they and, of course, the Marcus Center still want the parking. So that has to be a component of this. We're not going to lose the garage. And I don't see the city approving anything that doesn't at least provide as much parking as there has been traditionally with this structure. What does it look like, though? Here are the guidelines. I actually looked at the RFP from the city. And again, what that just means is developers, you come up with a plan. What's your plan, design, vision for the space? And then the city may ultimately choose one as is. They might work with the developer, kind of tweak the model. Well, we like what you did here. Could you add this? Could you change that? Uh, But here's what they wrote. An aggressive, aggressive, Michelle. They want this proposal to be aggressive. An aggressive mixed-use development with ground for public activation, which includes a mix of uses, is ideal at this site. Ground floor uses might include restaurants, art galleries, cultural civic uses with residential hotel, office, cultural civic uses above. And then the uses would be used to wrap around any ground-structured parking on the site. Parking ramp component should be considered a design opportunity in and of itself, making the experience of parking there a favorable experience for users. Sounds kind of marketing to me. Yeah, sounded, right? Doesn't yeah. this sound like a fantastic idea? Mm-hmm. But again, they're looking for that from developers. And so we'll be looking forward to seeing whatever the renderings are. Everybody likes a good rendering, right? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> computer design thing and you got the, the fake people and the trees and stuff like that. <laughs> so this is the corner of Water and State. I've long looked for this space to sort of connect that part of Water Street. Like you have the, the bars on the one end and the restaurants and sort of a lot of fun stuff going down. If you go a little bit further north... Then you have the parking structure that's sort of this de- this dead zone. And then you have the Marcus Performing Arts Center. And if you could connect that with more stuff to do, more things that people are going in and out of other than just leaving their cars there, I think that's a great idea. Well, didn't they just have, wasn't that where the bubbles were this past summer? Oh, is that where they did that? I think it was right next to it. So sure. there, it sounds, it seems at least that they're trying to do a little bit more with that space. But there is, yeah, definitely potential. So when you think of downtown Milwaukee, you think of, you know, the art museum, public market, all those other things. Do we have something like that that could possibly be in this space? Actually, Milwaukee Records sort of pans the site. They wrote this up when they were looking for the request for proposal. Here was their headline. Milwaukee wants to redevelop Marcus Center parking garage, depriving city of iconic landmark. What landmark? 
the giant snow pile that's always out in front of it, right on Water Street. I thought that was pretty good. So something new is coming to that important space. Cameron, what's going to happen to it? It's in a garage. Hey, Eric Bilstead with WTMJ. Do you know the type of roofing company that I trust? One that would gladly tell me that I don't really need to replace my roof. I just need a roof tune-up. Tri-County Contracting does that. Tri-County Contracting offers roof tune-ups that include roof inspection, refastening, replacing some missing shingles. Is it affordable? Yes. Trust Tri-County Contracting's roof tune-up. Trust 45 years in Wisconsin. Visit tricountycontractingwi.com. For your new roof, we'll give you the hands-down best lifetime workmanship warranty in the industry. You can count on Semper Fi to keep you safe, warm, and dry. We keep you safe, warm, and dry, Semper Fi. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. NFL football is officially back. The Detroit Lions opening up their season with an impressive 21-20 victory over the reigning Super Bowl champs on Thursday night to kick things off the 2023 season as they defeat the Chiefs. The Packers, on the other hand, preparing for their Week 1 showdown with the Bears. Jordan Love will make his start as the official QB1 in Green Bay. And what better way to start a career in the for the Packers opening up against the rival Bears. Yeah, and no, I'm excited for it. Um, you know, I mean, it's always exciting to, you know, open the season, get the first game on um, rolling. But uh, for an NFC opponent, you know, rival, rivalry game, it'll be very exciting um, playing there in their stadium. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a packed house. Everybody will be excited for week one and uh, ready to put on a show. Packers-Bears rivalry, that's still a thing for you? Uh, for Packers me, yeah. For I, you, I think it's accurate what's been said over the years of, like, it means more to us than it does. Sure. To the players, these guys are pretty yeah, ballsy. Yeah, Can and I, Rasul Douglas said that this week. He's right? like, I, I don't really. I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Could care less. We're gonna try real hard to win all of our yeah. games, and <laughs> every game doesn't matter who's across from us. The Packers did hold another practice on Thursday. They did get some good news. Receiver Romeo Dobbs did return to action. He reportedly looked good, so that's the good news. Left tackle David Bakhtiari, who missed a few practices already this week, is expected to play on Sunday. Head coach Matt LaFleur on the All-Pro's expectation for Week 1. He's a guy that's banked a ton of reps. He feels good physically, and so we anticipate him being out there on Sunday. Now, on the other side of things, not so good news. Second-year wideout Christian Watson did not participate on Thursday's practice. His status for Sunday is still unknown. Packers-Bears kicking things off at 325 on Sunday afternoon. From the NFL to the Diamond, where the Milwaukee Brewers will begin a three-game set with the Yankees in New York tonight. The Brewers with an off day on Thursday, but got some good news as they actually gained ground in the race for the National League Central Division with a Chicago Cubs loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Milwaukee now leading the division by two games. Brewers-Yankees coverage getting underway tonight, beginning at 5.30. Of course, you can tune in right here on WTMJ. And lastly, back over to the NFL the Cincinnati Bengals securing the future for their long-term quarterback, Joe Burrow, reaching an agreement on a five-year, wait for it, Vince, $275 million extension. Here's the best part. It includes $219 million guaranteed. Whoa. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. $219 million guaranteed for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. The contracts are just going to keep going up. <laughs> 619 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle.
North Avenue Corridor on Milwaukee's east side has got a bit of an overhaul over the last few months as one city leader continues hopes to design an example of pedestrian-first infrastructure in other neighborhoods can match. WTMJ's Adam Roberts. Whether you work at Ascension Hospital, are stopping by Crossroads Collective for a bite to eat, or are simply navigating from I-43 to Bradford Beach, you've likely noticed some road infrastructure changes on the stretch of North Avenue passing through Milwaukee's east side. If we're going to get serious about a healthier, safer, more walkable city, steps like this are really important. Last month, 3rd District Alderman Jonathan Brostoff set into motion plans to make already existing bike lanes on the street protected. After weeks of work repainting city street lines and installing both concrete planters and plastic delineators, the stretch of bike lanes between the Milwaukee River and Prospect Avenue, as well as Prospect from north to the Maryland Montessori School, is now separated from the main road. Rostov tells me the early feedback he's received on the project has been overwhelmingly positive. We've had people reach out from the immediate area, people who work and travel there, and people who just come in over the weekends and overwhelmingly been positive with some exceptions. The idea of protected bike lanes is not a new one in the city. In a survey conducted by the Path to Platinum Initiative in fall of 2016, 88% of respondents overwhelmingly desired biking improvements with more separation from motor vehicles. Kilbourne Avenue downtown between Water Street and Jackson has them, and the ongoing redesign of Walnut Street west of 17th is incorporating them as well. Each project, Brostoff says, is one way the city is fighting against the epidemic of reckless driving. As we know, reckless driving is not unique to you know one specific part of the city or one area. It's happening all over, and therefore, we've got to look for solutions all over. As for the cost of the project, as of this month, the estimated price tag will be $3.8 million, which may seem like a lot to invest in a half-mile stretch of road, but as Brostoff notes... With the price of concrete right now and labor and everything, it's not, it's not actually that much money for that stretch. I mean, you could easily spend $20 million, $15 million over there. For every decision we made, it was with the intention to get as much bang for the buck as possible. Ultimately, Brostoff believes other common council members are taking notes on the North and Walnut projects to find ways they can improve both cyclist and pedestrian safety in their own districts. That was kind of part of the thinking from the beginning is we have an opportunity on a main thoroughfare to really set some precedent and do some exciting stuff, and it's certainly replicatable elsewhere. Adam Roberts, WTMJ News. And Adam is live in the Breaking News Center this morning. Adam, you're a bike-to-work guy. I Every time you make it here safely, I feel a little better because these sort of things will really help people like you who do ride their bikes around the city. Absolutely. And I mean, just a few months ago when I was still producing on Wisconsin's Afternoon News, we had a whole basically first half of the show of me recounting having something thrown at me by someone driving by on one of my rides to work. So anything to separate bike from car, I am all in favor of. How many people like you are there out there? I mean, I know bike to work or bike around town is like a mode of transportation is growing. Is it? Is that what you see? Well, now I'm, I'll be perfectly honest. I have a bit of a of an interesting perspective because where I live in the portion of Milwaukee, I'm close enough to downtown where people can rationalize, all right, I don't necessarily need a car. I think as you get further and further out, that becomes less and less of a thing because as you know, Milwaukee north to south is a very tall city. So, I mean, if you live at 92nd and Capitol, biking to work is probably not an option for you. 
WTMJ's Adam Roberts. Good stuff, my friend. Sighting Unlimited WTMJ News Time 636. The Packers play Sunday. Brandon Snide has mixed news on the injury front. He's coming up in sports at 645. Vince, a company is pulling its chips from stores after the death of a teenager, CBS's Jen Clark. The one chip challenge is no more. Pocky has pulled the spicy tortilla chip off store shelves after the death of a 14-year-old boy in Massachusetts. His cause of death has not yet been determined, but it happened just hours after eating the chip at school. I miss my son so much. I'm missing so much. The company says that the challenge is meant for adults, but they're pulling the product out of an abundance of caution. Jen Clark, CBS News. Well, right. And in fairness, they got to figure out exactly what was cause of death here. Right. Is it related or directly related? Was it causal? But probably the right move from this company. Right. And so this is a chip that is sold as a single serving. It's one chip in a package. And it's literally a one-chip challenge. They don't sell bags of this thing because it's made with the two hottest peppers you can possibly get. It's the Carolina Reaper and... Hold on, I had it here. <laughs> I think it's something with a snake, right? A viper or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Naga Viper. Yeah, Naga Viper. Yeah. And these these peppers have... So there's a scale of spiciness with peppers. Jalapeno is like 8,000, whatever the measurement is. And these are like in the millions. Oh, yeah. Too hot. Way too hot. 8.30, uh, 6.38 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Let's go fly a kite up to the high. 6.42, Wisconsin's Morning News. Cool family fun event this weekend. The price is right. It's $0. It's down at the lakefront. Veterans Park. It's one of several huge multi-day kite festivals in the city every year. I'll be his kite. This will be the 44th annual Frank Mott's International Kite Festival. IKEA Stores is the big sponsor. Scott Fisher from Gift of Wings. He's been an integral part of organizing these festivals since like ever. And here's why he loves kites. I've always been fascinated with things that fly. I'm a pilot myself. And and I think that's what got me into it. And originally we had a store that sold pilot supplies. And everybody came in and said, hey, where's your kites? This is a flying store. It used to be one of my favorite stores as a kid, Gift of Wings. Doing there all sorts of aviation related stuff. There's one in Greendale. He's got a little shop right there. Yeah, they have ice cream, too, so <laughs> That's even better. Like kids best like seller. that. Mm-hmm. Right, gets kids in the door and then... Get a kite, have some ice cream, Absolutely. you're set. So at these things, Scott brings in these these demo teams, right? Chicago Fire Kite Team is one of the top-performing teams in the country. You've got the Canadian Dream Team. They come in from Montreal for these festivals, and they do that super giant octopus kite. It's like 150 feet long. You wonder how they even get it up in the air and then control it. Like, it's a legit skill. And this is a participation event as well. They will teach you how to fly a kite. Well, Jim Koska is coming in from Washington, D.C., and he'll be giving lessons out on the field. And what that means is we'll set aside a section of the field in Veterans Park, and Jim will be out there with various types of kites. And people can come over to Jim and, and say, hey, you know, show me how this kite flies, or I would like to, you know, learn how to fly one of those stunt kites. So he'll give them lessons. And and we're giving lessons to people that even if they don't own their own kite, we'll, we'll give them free lessons. Also, I always enjoy talking with Scott. Uh, Scott Fisher, Gift of Wings. These are great events, as I said. It's free to attend. 10 to 6 on Saturday, 10 to 5 on Sunday. Veterans Park in Milwaukee. Weather looks really good. They love that spot because they get really good wind there, through there, mm-hmm. which, you know, is critical for kites. It's an important small component. part. Yeah. Giftofwings.com for more information. 644 Sports Up Next with Brandon.
time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers are back to work tonight to begin a three-game series with the Yankees in New York. The Brew Crew entering the day with a two-game lead in the race for the National League Central Division following a Cubs loss last night. Coverage of tonight's game begins at 5.30. You can catch that right here on 620 WTMJ. The Detroit Lions opened up the NFL's 2023 season with a 21-20 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night. The Packers getting ready to kick off their season Sunday afternoon in the Windy City as they continue preparation for the Bears this week. Wide receiver Romeo Dobbs returning to practice on Thursday. However, Christian Watson did not. He's still nursing that hamstring injury. According to head coach Matt LaFleur, all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari is expected to play on Sunday. Kickoff all set for Sunday afternoon at 325. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's morning news. Here's Brendan Snide. Well, Packers fans, we have made it. It's opening weekend of NFL football, and for most of us, it is a day we have all been waiting for since April 26, when Aaron Rodgers was sent packing to the Big Apple. For many fans, this opening game in Chicago is all about Jordan Love, and for the most part, I can respect it. I get it. You want to see what you have in your future under center, especially following back-to-back Hall of Famers. However, for me, this is not at all about number 10 as much as it is about his play-calling head coach. Since 2019, when Matt LaFleur was hired, he has helped lead this team to 47 victories, averaging almost 12 wins a season. Quite impressive for the former assistant, but now the stakes have changed a little bit. There is no more Super Bowl or bust mentality on this team. There is not an all-pro lining up at wide receiver. There is not arguably the greatest thrower of the football in Aaron Rodgers lining up under center directly directing players what to do. Matt LaFleur decided to retain defensive coordinator Joe Barry for another year after yet again another massive disappointment in 2022. The pressure for LaFleur should be turned up all the way. It should not be solely focused on Jordan Love and what he can or cannot do, especially in just one game. Yes, the Packers will need to figure out what they have in their quarterback, but the guy leading the charge, developing his version of leadership and coaching the youth movement in Green Bay is what I'm focused on for 2023. How does LaFleur coach without any crutches? How does he develop? How does he lead? And can he still be successful? The pressure is on in Green Bay and not for who you think. Six fifty one at Wisconsin's Morning News. We bring in our teammate from ESPN Milwaukee, Gabe Neitzel. I did something last night, Gabe, that you could not do. Uh, what's that? I flip. Well, I mean, how long is this list? <laughs> I mean, I flipped, our segment's not that long, everybody. I flipped back and forth between the NFL game last night, watching the Lions and Chiefs, and the U.S. Open. You could not do the latter part of that equation because you are on Spectrum. Uh, that's true. I, I do have Spectrum. I could not watch any of the U.S. Open, which means I missed the protesters yesterday as well. Um, is there anything you guys believe strong enough that you would super glue your feet to the? Bare concrete floor for two. I was unaware of this. Michelle told me about it this morning. I'm like, what? What are we protesting? Even uh, the ending of fossil fuels. There you go. Yeah. Well, that should do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think Stand, I'm done using. But my just car. think about think about how dedicated you are to a cause that you're willing to put super glue on your bare feet and plant them on concrete. I mean, how I, do you even get out of that situation? Spatula? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to hurt a little bit. 
tying your feet out? I have no idea. Is this like a strange U.S. Open? Like, I like tennis, so I've always yeah. paid attention to the tennis, but it just seems like there are a lot of sort of sideshows that are coming out of this particular Open. Well, it's it's kind of been all year long in tennis. Yeah. Like, they had protests in a run-up tournament in D.C. They had protests in Wimbledon, protests in um, for the French Open. So they've been kind of happening in tennis. Um, I, I don't know if these people have decided to do this because if they did it at an NFL, NFL game, that that's a more hostile crowd. And instead of okay. just getting booed and chanted at to be kicked out of the events, like things could turn physical because of the amount of alcohol people drink before football games. I don't know why they're choosing tennis <laughs> as the vehicle to be, hey, this is what we're protesting. Well, to the other point, which is we're entering another weekend of college football and now the NFL. And for folks locally, if you are on uh, Spectrum, you, you got the ESPN blackout. Are you hearing anything on that front? Like, is there any movement there? It, it seems like they're now at least engaging back and forth publicly where Charter is doing the, oh, they don't care about you. And Disney saying, no, it's Charter who doesn't care about you. And then Charter came back with, well, only 30% of our customers actually consume Disney things. And they're, no, it's 71% and 3.3 billion you know minutes or whatever. You know, they, they've been going back and forth publicly. It doesn't seem like there's an end in sight because Spectrum Charter wants to kind of change the way business is done with a lot of these bigger companies that they're putting out there in terms of the cable bundle. So I, I don't see an end in sight, which makes me bummed. I, I do a show for ESPN Radio Nationally on Saturday nights. We talk a lot of college football, the big college football game this weekend. Alabama, Texas kicks off at 6 p.m. Central on ESPN. So, I mean, last week you were able to kind of avoid it, but now you're, I mean, you've got the U.S. Open Finals, you've got a lot of big college football games this weekend, and Monday Night Football, the big one, which is coming up on Monday. If this thing drags out past Monday, I, I don't see an end in sight. Like, to me, Monday is kind of the next one because of how big the NFL is. That's kind of the next artificial deadline. Once we once we get past that, who knows how long this thing could drag out. Plus, you got younger kids, Michelle. Is Doc McStuffin still a thing on uh, on Disney? Oh, well, not for my kids. You know, what's 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 <laughs> no. she got to say about this? <laughs> have, have any com- Somebody get Doc on the phone. Right. No, no comments from the McStuffins group over there. <laughs> no, and what what bothers me about it is it, it hurts, and ultimately this hurts all sides. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we went through this years ago when I was at TMJ four, where we were kicked off of uh, what was then Time Warner, and it hurt us. Heard our ratings. I saw it. I'm anchoring the morning show. We got ratings every day. I could see the drop in people who consumed it like that. And some of those people didn't come back. Well, I, yeah, we I lost had... our can- we lost our channel position. Yes, you did. On, on it's still channel two, I believe, right, right now. If you have you know Spectrum, Time Warner, or, or Charter, whatever. Um, but also, I had to watch Packer games, the preseason games, and Espanol that year because Channel 4 had all the Packer preseason games, so I had to watch the Spanish version of the Packer preseason games. I should games. bring you, man, I should have done that, the voicemail messages that were coming into Channel 4 because <laughs> TMJ4 had the Packers preseason games and like you couldn't watch them, like Gabe said, if you were on on that cable system. And the voice, <laughs> you guys better get your act together. <laughs> you guys... Yeah, and you, then that was the end of the call. You mess with the Packers, <laughs> and you are going to upset a lot of people. So Packers this weekend, what do you see? Um, it all kind of no comes feel. down. I have no feel. Uh, yeah, and Christian Watson not practicing at all so far this not week. Good. Not great. Um, Romeo Dobbs at least able to practice on a limited part. You know, limited basis yesterday. If both of them aren't able to go, it's going to be a rough start. I think it could be a rough start anyway. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to see what this new look Joe Barry defense looks like. Uh, the Bears probably want to run the football. The Packers have shown no interest in really wanting to stop the run. 
So <laughs> that's kind of that, that's where it starts Tough for me. Combo. And I want to see how Jordan Love handles it. First game on the road, it's going to be hostile. And if he's out without one of his top two wide receivers in terms of experience, things get dicey pretty quick because they don't have any depth with experience on that side of the football. And we're already half game out of first place in the NFC North Division because the li- the Lions. One yesterday, they beat the Chiefs. Not the start I was looking for from the Lions. They got some good breaks along the way, they but they took advantage of them. And that's how you know it's kind of a new Lions team, taking advantage of those breaks, hanging in there. In the, in years past, that's a game, oh, the Lions are hanging in there. Good for the Lions. Yeah. And then they would eventually lose. They have a different attitude with their head coach. I've been somebody who's made fun of Dan Campbell, Man Campbell before. <laughs> he's He's doing some great things there in Detroit. He's converted me. I'm a believer. See, I didn't want to be a believer. The story that I drew up for myself was they get boat raced in this first game, and then it shows, no, you're not building something over there. You beat a crummy (laughs) Packers team to knock us out of the playoffs at the end of last year. That was an aberration. You're not growing. You're not changing the culture. You're just same old Lions. You got boat raced to start the year. I like that story better. That, you, that, that would be a lot better. That would make me feel so much better as a Packers fan. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the reality. 657, Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. Thanks, my friend. Anytime.